I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Hello and welcome to the Fried Egg Podcast. I'm Garrett Morrison, and today's guest is Jerry Pate. All right, so two years ago, we put out a documentary podcast about the story behind TPC Sawgrass and the first Players' Championship that was held there in 1982. For that story, I talked to Jerry Pate, who won that tournament and afterwards famously jumped in the lake with architect Pete Dye and tour commissioner Dean Beeman. Now, Jerry Pate, and I don't think this is very well appreciated these days. He was one of the most promising young players of his generation. He won the U.S. Open as a rookie in 1976, and he seemed to be on his way to superstardom. But then he injured his shoulder, and the 82 players ended up being his last win on tour. He still had a great career in the golf industry. He served as a TV analyst for a long time, and he built a very successful landscape and golf course design practice. He even won a couple of times on the senior tour. Anyway, I had this conversation with Jerry in early 2020, and we used pieces of it in that documentary episode, but recently I listened to the full interview again, and I immediately thought to myself, we need to make this its own episode. You know, 90% of the tape has not seen the light of day, and Jerry is just such a charming guy and a great storyteller. So I thought, hey, 40th anniversary of the 82 players, might as well put this whole thing out there. So here is Jerry Pate, and he starts by talking about the first time he saw TPC Sawgrass. Uh, in, in October or November of 1980, the golf course opened, and they had a, a preview of the golf course with the American golf sponsors. And my dad was one of the tournament committee guys at the Pensacola Open. Uh, he had been the pre he had been the tournament chairman of the Pensacola Open, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so he was invited to come down and play the grand opening. Uh, and I went down and played with actually got and played with Dean Beeman. And he showed me, you know, sort of the tricks of the trade and some of the, the uh, subtleties of the golf course and where to hit the ball. And and he told me, he said, listen, if you'll just follow where I, where, where I tell you to drive it he said you're going to do well you probably win the tournament so dean dean had actually helped me out and i think i was the only pro on tour that i know of that came and played that grand opening not, not many of the other guys uh were very high on the players club i think a lot of guys thought we didn't need to own a golf course and they didn't understand the significance of of owning your own golf course uh, and especially a stadium golf course which was a unique idea to give um, spectators a, a greater vantage point for viewing golf. So tell me a little bit more about what Dean Beeman showed you when he was taking you around the golf course. What kinds of things was he pointing out? Well, you know, the golf course elevation prior to building it, the entire property was somewhere around an elevation six, I think, above sea level. It's a pretty flat piece of property. And uh, when it rained, it, it uh, you know, flooded 
this was way before uh, the golf course was built when it was just in under construction. So when Pete Dye built the golf course, most of the holes were built pretty flat on the ground. He'd make a little cut off the tee where it felt like your tees were elevated. And then he would maybe put a cross bunker out there hazard that sort of optically uh, tricked your, your uh, vision. So you had to know exactly almost like links golf where you had to hit the ball to uh, the right vantage point to have a, a proper uh, approach to the green. And I think that the advantage of playing with Dean, I mean, I can remember holes like even one, I mean, one was sort of a deceptive hole. It looked like you wanted to hit it way left, but you could actually go right on one off the tee Two, you wanted to kind of hug the left side down the left side and, Four was sort of a weird tee shot. It was blinded pretty much uh, where you couldn't see the landing area and you had to figure out where to drive it on four. And uh, same thing with six, you know, uh, seven. Uh, so Dean was and 10 was a very tricky little driving hole. 11, you could hug the left side and have an advantage on the par five. 12, the little short four, you wanted to keep the ball way right to give yourself a better uh, view of the second shot. So there were certain places to drive the ball. I remember 15, uh, Dean said, keep it up the left side. It was a better approach into the green. 16, you wanted to hug the left side. And of course, 17, you, uh, I mean, 18, you just tried to, uh, you know, 17 hit the green and 18 hit it in the fairway. Mm -hmm. But he was very helpful on, on where I should hit my tee shots. And I think that really was an advantage for me when we came there a year and a half later in March, really about 15, 16 months later, we played in March. Right. So you're, you have become, you've done some design work of your own. Um, could you take me back to when you first saw TPC Sawgrass and, and I guess you're saying it was 1980. What were your first impressions of the course as somebody who is, uh, you know, evidently attuned to factors of design? What What were some of your opinions initially on the golf course? Well, you know, ironically, you mentioned design. Actually, Bobby Weed and I built the TPC. We designed the TPC Valley course. A lot of right. people don't know that it's called Dyes Valley. But Bobby Weed and I, yes. Bobby was working for the tour, and I was not playing the tour. I was injured in the t at the time and spent a tremendous amount of time over there. But as far as the Pete Dye golf course, I was fortunate enough to play in 1974. I played the teeth of the dog at Casa de Campo. So I understood Pete's strategies around the greens. I kind of had a, an idea of what bunkers that you couldn't hit it into around the greens. And, um, when I can't, and then I played at Harbor town when I was in college. So I played those two golf courses, which were two of his best up to the stadium golf course. No question, uh, the teeth of the dog probably is his best golf course, one of them, mm. if not his best. And, uh, and that was in 1971. And he had built Harbor Town prior to that with Jack Nicholas and Desmond Muirhead in about 1967 or 8, I guess. And um, so I kind of understood Pete's strategies. I, I had a feel for how he liked to strategize holes. And there were just certain places you couldn't hit the ball. You just, if you hit it there, you were in trouble. And uh, when I saw the stadium course for the first time, a lot of people complained about it because the greens were sort of perched up uh, off of the grade. So uh, you had a lot of areas that had, 
I would call them false fronts in the front and the green ran off on the left side and the right side. And, and there were very, very small pinnable areas that were little target areas. And if you didn't hit it there, the ball would gather some 15 to 30, 40 feet away from there into a low depression, either on the green or off the green. So you had to be extremely accurate with your iron. You had to be a good driver of the ball, which I was, and you had to be a really good iron player, which I was. So his design sort of played right into my hand. And mm. I had, uh, I had uh, won the world amateur at Casa de Campo in 1974 in the fall of 74. So I liked his golf courses. I played well at Harbortown every year. Should have won it. Got beat in the playoff. I don't even remember what year that was. It could have been 80, 81. You'd probably have to go back and look at the history books. I think it was before the, I think it was before we played the, the TPC uh, Players Championship. Okay. But so I liked his golf courses. And so I knew you had to hit the ball in certain places. And I liked, I was a good iron player and a whole like 17 didn't intimidate me at all. In fact, we had a pro-am that year on Wednesday. And I made a two on Wednesday, a two on Thursday, a two on Friday, a three on Saturday, and a two on Sunday on the 17th hole. <laughs> so four out of five days, I made a two on it. So it, needless to say, the diabolical 17 was sort of played right into my wheelhouse because I was uh, a pretty good iron player. It was an eight or a nine iron shot, and I kind of hit a cut eight iron every day in there playing an orange golf ball. <laughs> and a Wilson Pro Staff orange golf ball. And I, I like to just kind of cut the ball into that green. Right. So it sounds like the like dyes designs not only suited your skill set well, and not only were you sort of experienced with his architecture, but also it doesn't seem like it bothered you. You know, it's something that you get the impression of when you look back at players' reactions to the 82 Players Championship, you get a sense that a lot, a sense that a lot of the players were frustrated. Well, winning, winning in a play, playing in 82 was personal to me. It was very personal because my mom, my mom and dad, uh, my mom moved to Jacksonville, like in the 10th grade. My dad was born and raised in Jacksonville. My grandfather was an original member in like 1926 or eight at San Jose club in Southside Jacksonville. He was a 1933 member at at uh, Ponte Vedra until the day he died. In fact, my granddaddy was 82 years old and watched me. He was eight, actually, let's see how old he was, 82. He was born in 1902. He was uh, 80 years old when he watched me win there. He died at 87. And um, so my my dad had grown up at Ponte Vedra, sawgrass across the street that was the old sawgrass that Jimmy Stockton developed. Jimmy Stockton was in my dad's wedding. Hmm. And Brownie Watley Jr. of Stockton Watley and Davin was best man in my dad's wedding. So it was personal for me to win to win in Jacksonville. So that's the karma that people don't realize. It's like winning the U.S. Open at 22 in Atlanta. You know, you think about it. Bobby Jones uh, asked for the Open to be played there. My father's boss's father was one of Bobby Jones' best friends, uh, VZ Rainwater. Uh, Bobby Jones was a father was a lawyer for the Coca-Cola business. My dad was a Coca-Cola bottler and so was VZ Rainwater and Crawford Rainwater. They were original bottlers in 1920s. And I was born in Georgia and my family's from Georgia from 1800 and right outside of Sandersville called Riddleville, Georgia. So when I won the open, it was, it was personal in Atlanta. You know, it was just, it was meant to be. 
And so when I won at Sawgrass, uh, I'll tell you another great story. We got there on Monday, played a practice round, and Tuesday night they had a a a, 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 a participants uh, dinner, the players' dinner on Tuesday night at at, at the clubhouse there, the, the old clubhouse before it was torn down, the old original clubhouse, and they had on display there Dean Beeman had displayed the Crystal Waterford Trophy. It was sort of a fluted. Um, rectangular fluted vase, not a round vase, but it was kind of a rectangular and almost square, to, uh, like a square tube, but a big, beautiful, different kind of Waterford vase. And I went up and I looked at it. And I picked it up and looked at it. I set it down and I walked over to the table where my wife was having dinner with my kids. I had two children at the time. And uh, I told Susie, I said, you need to go look at that vase. She said, why? I said, that's my picture on the vase. She said, what, what are you talking about? I said, there's an etched golfer putting that Waterford has used someone's silhouette. And that's a picture of me in my same putter, my same stance, the whole nine yards, exactly the same looking Wilson 8802. And ironically, I won the tournament with that putter. Hmm. And I said, and I had kind of flipped around between putters. That was the putter I'd won the U.S. Amateur with. And I played with it a little bit on the tour, and I switched on and off. And I said, that is an absolute dead copy of me putting, and it's etched in that trophy. I said, I'm going to win this tournament. I told her that on Tuesday. So that was pretty pretty much, uh, as I said, uh, it was personal with me, uh, and it's almost like uh, destined to happen. And uh, another thing happened on Sunday going to the – I birdied 12. I didn't birdie 11, which is a par 5 you wanted to make birdie on. I missed a putt there. But I did birdie 13, the little short four, and they changed the hole now. They put a lake on the left side of it. But I birdied 13, uh, 12, and as you walk back to 13 towards the Marriott Hotel, there was no Marriott Hotel then. It was just nothing but jungle back there. As I walked that long walk back through the bushes, and, and you know, the golf course was wild and woolly then. It wasn't as naturally managed and manicured like, I mean, it wasn't as manicured today. It was natural with palmettos and just, you know, uh, basically bobcats and rattlesnakes 20 foot off the fairway <laughs> and um, armadillos and you name it. It was wild. I mean, it was not the course you know today. So anyway, as I walked back to 13T, I was walking on the cart path and, you know, I just made birdie. So you kind of walking kind of brisk and I heard somebody kind of running up behind me and they grabbed my arm. I turned around. It was Alice Dye. And she looked at me and she said, you've got a bird. She said, you've got to win this thing. And you got to throw Pete in the lake. And of course, Pete had been catching ungodly amount of heat for this golf course because it was the most diabolical. So that day there was nothing on earth. And I mean that not with, not with exaggeration. There was no other course on the earth more difficult and diabolical than that golf course. And, uh, Alice, uh, I think was a little bit worried because Pete was catching a lot of flack in his design career. And of course, Dean Beeman, there was talk in the locker room that the, by the senior, uh, hall of famers just before they were in the hall of fame. And I won't mention names. Some of them are dead now. Some are still alive in their eighties. And the talk was they were going to get, you know, have a coup and fire Dean because we had no business owning a golf course. And it was crazy. And it was competing against some of these famous golfers design careers they had their own design careers going so they're thinking well wait a minute pj tour is hiring some outside guy named pete Dye to design their golf course why didn't they hire a player 
you know, that's a, a, a Hall of Fame player who has their own design company. So that was another controversy. So Alice grabbed me by the arm and said, you've got to win this thing, she said. And when you do, I want you to throw Pete in the lake. And I turned around, looked at her, just calm as can be. And everybody used to think, you know, when I played, I was cocky. I, I really wasn't cocky. I just, you know, I knew in my heart I could pull it off. And I said, I'm going to win. So I parred 13, birdied 14. So I put me two under on the back nine, and I birdied 17 and 18. And, uh, um, you know, drove it, hit a great shot on 17, about 15, 18 feet left the hole, made the putt there, and then drove it right in the middle on 18 and hit a hit an orange golf ball about two feet from the hole for a gimme birdie, foot and a half maybe away. And uh, the rest was history. Then I asked, I saw Dean and Judy, and uh, – Judy was looking at me, she says, oh, you got to throw Dean in the lake, too. I know you're going to throw Pete in, because I walked up the 18th fairway, and the camera was on me. Little Davy Finch, who worked for CBS, and Trakinian is in the truck. I knew that. And Summerall and Venturi are up on the 18th tower. And, and uh, you know, all my buddies at CBS were there. And I'm, I have no idea what they've said. But as I walked up the 18th fairway, and I'd already jumped in the lake in the, in the summer of 81, and CBS covered that at the Memphis Open. Uh, I was playing with Tom Kite and and, uh, and Peter Jackson. So I walk up the 18th fairway, and Davy Davy Finch says, "You're gonna jump in a lake." And I said, "Pete Dye will go for a swim." Now I didn't even think I was gonna go in. I thought I would just throw them both in the lake, and that would be it. And then they were out there, and you know, in the lake. So I threw them both in the lake off the bulkhead, and then I jumped in behind them. But <laughs> it was kind of one of those deals when I got there that week. I just you know was never nervous on any shot. Uh, always felt good about my game. And, and the irony of it was I played about three weeks later at the Masters and got beat a shot. So you should have won the Masters. Stadler won it, but I had a really good shot at it. Uh, just missed, even though I, I shot 32 uh, on the back nine, uh, 38 on the front nine. And Stadler won. And in the next uh, month in May, I finished, I think, second at the Colonial. So I, I believe I was pretty close to leading the money list at that time. And I was practicing in June for the British Open, and I was hitting some one irons in Pensacola on some real hard ground, and a, and a real strong wind had come up. And I was trying to hit the ball low into the wind with a one iron, and I hit a shot, and I felt my left shoulder pop, and that was kind of the end of my career for 20 years until I had I ended up having five surgeries, and finally they got it right where I could play on the senior tour. But, uh, you know, that was kind of, the, that was the, and I had a 10 year exemption. It was a big deal. The most money anybody had ever won, $90,000, a lot of endorsements, you know, life was great. Had my own private plane, Jack and Arnold and I were the only three players that had a private plane on the tour at that time. And, and, um, I was 28 and, you know, in pretty big, tall cotton, I guess you could say for a Southern boy. And then in one swing in, in, uh, the first of June, that was kind of into my golfing competitive career. But, you know, it ended with, with a fun memory of winning the players. Let's take a quick break here to talk about the sponsor for today's episode, Meridian. So for guys, taking care of body hair down there tends to be a bit of a taboo topic. But Meridian is helping to break that stigma with its cutting edge below the belt trimmer that can also be used anywhere on your body. This is a very high quality trimmer with a 6,000 RPM motor, a flexible ceramic blade, an anti-nick shaving guard, and adjustable guide combs. It's also waterproof, easy to clean, and cordless. 
You can save on your Meridian trimmer if you bundle it with accessories like replacement blades or a premium travel bag. Basically, Meridian is dedicated to helping you shave worry-free without nicks and cuts, even in the most sensitive areas. And I don't know about you, but avoiding nicks and cuts is my chief priority when it comes to this kind of body care. Meridian definitely has you covered on that front. So visit meridiangrooming.com to get your premium below-the-belt trimmer, and if you use the code FRIEDEGG, you will get a free pair of boxer briefs. These are really nice, sweat-wicking, odor-resistant briefs, and you can get them along with your trimmer at meridiangrooming.com with the code FRIEDEGG. All right, back to the episode. Well, tell me a little more about that five iron into 18. I mean, that's an extraordinary shot. You know, you're nervous even today when somebody's hitting a wedge into that green and going at the pin. So, uh, so take me back to that shot. What was, what was that like? Well, for me to hit that shots, like Ben Crenshaw hitting a, you know, a six foot putt, he's not nervous. Jack Nicholas isn't nervous on a six foot putt. Tom Watson wasn't nervous on a six foot putt. Uh, Lee Trevino was never nervous on a 90 yard wedge shot and Jerry Pate was never nervous hitting a long iron shot. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, nerves weren't even in my vocabulary and that's what I think, you know, when I look back and all my good friends and these were guys I played with and a lot of them I beat a lot and they beat me a lot. But, you know, one thing I can always, uh, feel good about is that, you, you know, I earned those wins. I hit a lot of great shots. And when I hit the five iron and I went to the press room soaking wet and I think Tom Place was running the interview for the PJ tour and he said, you have any opening statements? And I go, yeah, I guess I, I guess I pulled another five iron because I hit a five iron on the last hole to win the U S open two feet. And, um, you know, I've hit a few other shots, uh, on the last hole, uh, in my career, pretty close and birdie. You know, I mean, I'll say this, I've made more, I shot more 32s and 3s to win than I did 36s and 7s to win in my career. And, uh, you know, I just, I just fueled on trying to, to, to go low on the last nine holes. That just, you know, that was the way I, I, I like to be in that position, you know, where you either had a lead or you could catch somebody for the lead. I, I like the kill, I guess. And, uh, uh, you know, the sad thing was my brother-in-law, God bless him, Bruce Litsky played extremely well. And he was, I guess, leading maybe was, or tied with a lead, or I, maybe I had a shot ahead of him and on, on 17, but he hit a three wood on 16 on the par five, went in the water. And I think he made bogey there. Let's see, his two in three up four. I think he did make five, a six and I can't remember, but anyway, and I ended up winning by a couple of shots. I don't know if it was over Bruce or Brad Bryant. There were several guys that were right there in the end. Uh, Scott Simpson was there. Um, but in that terrible, I can't even tell you who I played with on Sunday. I think I played with Scott and Brad maybe, <laughs> but, uh, because I would get in the zone and I didn't even think about anybody around me, anything going on. I was just thinking about hitting, hitting every shot as close as I could hit it and playing aggressive. And I was always a very, very aggressive. Uh, player and ball striker. There was never a pin I wouldn't shoot at. I can tell you that, you know. Yeah. And that helps on that 18th hole. So, um, tell me a little about the, uh, the, the post victory celebration. You, you of course described it a little bit, but what was it like being in that water? Were, were you concerned at all about wildlife? No. In fact, I had asked, uh, Pete Dyer, I asked Allison Pete on Friday. 
because as I said, I'd already was crazy enough that I jumped in the Memphis Open in 70. I mean, in 81, I jumped in the lake there when I won the Memphis Open. And uh, that's a long story why I did that. But uh, when we got to the players and everybody was just screaming in the locker room. And so by Friday, I knew I was hitting the ball unbelievable. And I, I, I just figured, heck, I mean, you shoot around two or three under par, you're going to win. You know, I guess, I guess I shot eight under or something like that. But I knew just a few under par would win. It, it was definitely like playing a major championship. And I asked uh, Pete and Alice, I said, tell me, I think I saw Alice at lunch. And I said, what's the, what's the bottom of that lake like and how deep is it? Are there a bunch of stumps and things on there? She said, no, it, when it, we, we drained it when we built it and it's just dead flat and it's just sand, hard sand. And that's where they took a lot of the sand out of those lakes to, to fill, you know, fill the fairways. So, uh, but, you know, I, I never realized how high it was. And when I jumped in, after the fact, I go back and look at those videos. Heck, it was about an eight foot off the water. That bulkhead <laughs> was about eight foot. And uh, so it's a pretty big racing dive, but it'd be eight foot in the air. But we didn't care. There was so much, so much uh, adrenaline, uh, the emotion of winning. Uh, it was an exciting time. And it was, you know, a memory I'll never forget. It was, it was as great as winning the U.S. Open, I can tell you. I bet. Yeah. Um, so just one, one last, uh, detail to clarify. You mentioned that, that Alice Dye wanted you to, uh, haul Pete into the water. Um, if I'm understanding her logic right, it was because there was, there was sort of a lot of, um, a, a little bit of underlying antagonism or maybe not so underlying antagonism toward Pete because of the design. And so that this kind of humorous celebration would, would sort of help relieve a little bit of that. Was that, do you think her idea? Oh yeah. Well, it was, it was vitriol. It was, uh, anger. The players were mad, angry. Uh, they were, uh, uh, on, a, on, on, uh, about to have a revolt. I mean, you could use all those words. It was a big deal politically for Dean and Pete Dye, I can tell you. And there were some really top players in the, that were, as I said, Hall of Fame golfers that didn't like the golf course at all. In fact, missed the cut. Some of the best players. If you go back and look at that field and see who missed the cut and who was playing, just go, go back and look at the last two or three years on the year-end money list and then look at that field and see who missed the cut, you would be shocked. And they just didn't like it. It was too hard. Uh, and then once you get something that's negative in your mind, you don't like the golf course, you're done. There's no way you're going to play well. And I loved it. I, I loved every bit of it. I had played it, as I said, in October of 1980 and got to play with Dean Beam and the guy that created the, the, the concept. And Dean was out there every day he was in town, I'm sure, with Pete Dye and Vernon Kelly. Uh, looking at the golf course with Alice and Pete, talking about certain strategic things and the little collection areas and the putting areas. And see, Dean had a great short game, so he loved those little collection areas. And then the uh, the, the summer right after the first year of '82, they raised all those bottoms up, maybe two feet at least. Two feet's a lot. I mean, two feet is like like. Uh, uh, I don't even know how to describe two, what two feet would mean. It's just, it was, uh, it's a lot of material. Just yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, the change, the design that much was, uh, uh, just, uh, uh, 
it's hard to describe. I mean, it's not even the same golf course. It was, I'm telling you, you can ask Dean Beam and he's still alive. Pete's dead, but you can ask anybody. And Jack Nicholas made a comment. He said, it's a great course. If you like to have to hit a six iron and land it on a hood of a Volkswagen and make it stop. <laughs> and there was, there was only a couple of people could do that. Jack was one of them. And I was a pretty damn good ball striker. I could hit a high cut and make it stop. And that's what you had to do. You had to hit the ball up in the air and spin it with those balada balls. And I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, talented enough to do that. It doesn't mean I was better than everybody else. That's just what the course called for. And I was, you know, I, I was a top 10 player. So heck I had a, you know, I had every reason to win, but you know, it was, it was really, it was, I'll say it again. It was really uh, a destiny. I, I just knew I was going to win. It wasn't, it wasn't even a thought in my head. You know, I, I, I knew it all along. Right. Well, think about this. I met, I met Pete and Alice Dye in 1974, and I had just won the U.S. Amateur in 74. I was totally unknown. Nobody knew who I was. From I, I never played in a state amateur, played in it one time and won it, did not play in the Florida State Juniors, was a college golfer at Alabama, third year of college, and Andy Bean convinced me to play in the Florida Amateur. I won it, which invited me to play the World Amateur with Curtis Strange, who was world-class. Gary Koch was world-class. And George Burns was world class. So I got invited to go to Casa de Campo to this crazy golf course. And lo and behold, it was a crazy guy named Pete Dye. And I met Pete and I met PB, his son, who was still a good friend of mine and, and uh, Alice. So then, and then I played that spring at Hilton Head in, in, uh, in April of, uh, might have been March. I think it was in April, April of 75 right around the master's time we played at hilton head we could have been before or after in those days i don't remember because they've kind of flipped it around over the last 40 years but anyway pete was there at hilton head in fact he was building a golf course called long cove and i watched pete build long cove guys like bobby weed actually worked on long cove who was the guy that i worked with to build that what's called dyes valley isn't that crazy oh yeah so there's a a lot of juju, as they say, a lot of a lot of good things that went on with that. And, and the fact that my grandparents, all my grandparents were living in Jacksonville. Uh, my my mama's father had passed away, but my my grandparents were there. And the fact my dad had grown up in Jacksonville, with that whole crew of people down at Ponte Vedra. And he his father was an original member. My dad was born in 26. And, uh, that's about right when my grandfather was about 24 years old, maybe it was 28 joined San Jose. He was the original member at San Jose, 26 or 28, somewhere around then. And then Ponte Vedra got built in 32 and opened in like 33 or something, 30, 31, 32, 33. And, uh, uh, really kind of a crazy story, but my family is, uh, uh, you know, Jacksonville family. So it made it even uh, better that I won in Jacksonville for my parents and my grandparents. And as you know, Pete Dye recently passed away. Alice Dye passed away last year. Um, overall, how, how will you remember them? Obviously you, you have had known them for a very long time. Um, what do you hope people will remember about them? Well, that they were a very, very wonderful givers. They, uh, they had their own style of how they lived and traveled. They were great mentors to people. Um, you know, Pete built 
four golf, excuse me, five golf courses at Casa de Campo. And uh, ironically, now uh, the last three years, our company, my company has been involved with those five golf courses. We sort of taken on the role to keep the, the integrity, the aesthetics of the uh, architecture and agronomics there. I go to uh, Casa de Campo. I'm going next week down there. In fact, I go, you know, go down there a lot. And so it's a great honor to have met Pete Dye as a 21-year-old kid, and now I'm sort of stepped in his place at one of his favorite places, and that's where he died. In fact, I'm not even sure his body's back yet. I know they had he was to be cremated. You don't have to promote, don't don't write about this, but uh, he was still in the morgue a week or so after he died because they couldn't get him cremated. He was at La Romana at the little hospital, and PB was down there with him. I saw Perry in February at the golf show, the first week of February, and and uh, PB left that day. He died and went up to the Bahamas to a project, and Pete died that day. But uh, I was I've been very very close with Pete for the last uh, God, what's that? Forty five years since nineteen seventy five seventy four. Uh, so that was forty five years, forty six years, and uh, he was a great mentor for me building golf holes. So. Uh, I'm very honored to just be able to try to hold the integrity of his great create creations at Casa de Campo. That's great. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Kiva dunes actually. I, I've, uh, um, I played there and, um, I can kind of see the influence. In fact, if I think about Casa de Campo and think about Kiva dunes that, you know, it, it uh-huh. seems like the, it seems like you may learn some things from, from his designs. Well, I'm I'm not very smart, but I hang around smart people, so I try to learn as much as I can, <laughs> and um, uh, I just try to work hard and try to be a giver and give back to the game, and that's the thing I would say I remember about Pete and Alice, and that's why it was so uh, much pressure on Alice that, that day, because she knew how much Pete and Alice had given to the game. They didn't build golf courses for the money. They, gave, they built golf courses because Alice was a great amateur player in her own right. She grew up in Indiana, Indianapolis, and her husband was a really a fine amateur player, and they gave so much to the game. Uh, I guess Alice was the first woman to sit on the PGA of America board that, that I remember, and I know she was head of the the Architects Society. I mean, they were, re- you know, for a woman, she did un- incredible things in our in a man's world, and of course, Pete was a legend. Oh, my God. Uh, I was telling Pete Dye stories this morning to a young superintendent well he's about 40 years old here in pensacola and he worked at oak tree and he worked at the honors and pete built both of those courses in chattanooga and in oklahoma city and you know the stories pete used to tell me about how he got fired by augie bush or fired by herb kohler and then they'd hire him back and i'm sure (laughs) dean wanted to fire him a few times he was quite a character you know uh and and you couldn't help but love pete die and alice was just gosh she was the salt of the earth she was like a mother to me, I'll tell you. And so I, I dearly miss them both. I dearly miss them both. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, Jerry. I really appreciate your time. Well, I'll see you at the players. I'll be down there. I'll be there Wednesday and Thursday, so I hope to see you. Gotcha. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. If you've been enjoying the Friday podcast, please leave a rating and review in iTunes. Those really do help. 
And if you'd like to see a visual rendition of the TPC Sawgrass story, check out our YouTube channel. We have a new video up there called TPC Sawgrass, the invention of stadium golf. It has great drone footage, some cool historical photos, and sound bites from Dean Beeman, Tom Doak, and of course, Jerry Pate. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the Players' Championship, and we'll see you back here next week. Thank you.